entrepreneurship can be an incredibly difficult journey to go through and there comes times when you are at completely rock bottom and you really don't know what to do with yourself with your life with the people around you with your business it seems like everything is failing but at those moments of darkness and despair that is why it is so important to hone in on that passion and realize why you started and why you're going on this journey so this episode is with Ike Wines, owner of J-Dog Junk Removal, and we really go in depth of what it's like starting starting a business from scratch um, with your family and dedicating your life to this business. Um, how he how he can sustain 12, 13, 14, 15 hour workdays and not get burnt out, but also how to find a balance in your own life on, hey, maybe you can work 15, 15 hours and be fine, but maybe you only need to work eight. Um, and we just really talk about entrepreneurship and go go deep into tough topics like like mental health and like taking some time off and how everything is so stigmatized around mental health and entrepreneurship and um, how you don't really need to work 19 hours a day every single day. You can take breaks once in a while, but finding that balance um, is different for everyone. So that's also what we dig into today. Again, if you like anything you hear today, please shout us out on any social media, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is. Uh, show us some love and we will show you some love right back. With that being said, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and see you guys on the next episode. Enjoy. Welcome, guys. Here's another episode of Starting Blank with your host, Sam Lister, and I have a very, very special guest with me today, Ike Wines. How's it going? Good. Appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. So to the audience that doesn't know who you are, what do you do? How do you spend time on on planet Earth? Um, We own a couple businesses, my brother and I. Um, we got into the business world with a junk removal franchise. Uh, we started that about three and a half years ago in Milwaukee here. We bought into the franchise and really developed the solutions to pick up the junk um, and hire veterans while doing that. And then on the back end, sourcing all that material, finding vendors across the country and locally to distribute that to not put it in the landfill. That's really where our heart and our passion lies. Um, so that was the base of what we did. We bought a huge warehouse in Butler. We want to bring in product, find the best ways to get rid of it, and then now grow from there. Work with companies to distribute their product better, um, coach businesses, things like that. So that's really what it's expanding into. Um, but it all started with literally just picking up people's stuff at their houses. Um, so we own the the junk removal business right now, the building, which all that uh, intellectual property and processes is pretty much a whole business in itself and all the vendors that we work with. We just launched a new business two days ago, a um, little teaser video for a thing called the Rage Room, MKE. So it's going to be a room where people come in and break stuff, and they pay to break stuff. Um, because we get a lot of product in that we try to donate it, it can't be donated. Um, and even with the Rage Room, we can still recycle the material, it's just going to get broken up by people first. So right now I pay my employees to break it up, so why not have people pay me to break it up? And also it's just an experience. I mean clean out people's houses and getting unique items every day we have the opportunity to introduce people to breaking stuff or being around stuff that they literally never could come in contact with yeah um and it's creating the whole environment and experience just owning the building and the business that we do it's just gonna be a very unique opportunity for people um and something that me and my employees are so accustomed to because it's literally our job to break stuff down deconstruct stuff clean out houses but to the common person they don't get to experience something like that yeah um, so we're just excited for that opportunity. 
Um, we work on my brother's social media brand um, and his personal branding. So just a little bit of everything. We already know what we do anymore <laughs> every day. Yeah, no, that's a su they're super unique businesses too. Like you don't come across someone who runs a junk removal business and then a new rage room business yeah. every day. So that's super, super unique. Let's, let's throw it back a little bit. How did you get to this point? You go to college. Let's, let's start like after like high school days. So during high school, um, I was a musician. I wanted to chase music for a long time. Went to my first like, um, hard, like hardcore metal concert when I was a freshman and me and my buddies wanted to play music together and play shows. That gained a lot of traction in high school, kind of had a mini blow up with it. Um, and then we set our eyes on touring the second we got out of high school. We said our parents, mm. we're not going to live at our parents' house anymore. We're not going to be under their control anymore. And we're just going to go hit the road and play around the country. And we did for four or five years. Really? So until I was 23, that's what we did. We From 19 to 23, we would jump in a van for three to six weeks at a time, go drive. We played in like 41 states, played really? over a thousand shows. Um, how many people in your group? Uh, five or six. Okay. It started with six. Um, and then throughout the years, throughout the eight, nine year cycle of the band, only me and one other person were the original members that started okay. it when we were like 14 and finished when we were like 23, 24. Okay. So, um, with guys going to college, pursuing other things, we just got new members. I think there was like 12 or 13 members in total Okay. throughout the whole project. Um, so that's where a lot of the networking, entrepreneurial, hustling, like social media concepts came from, um, learning how to brand a band online and to your audience and network with people after shows and, you know, getting paid at the end of the night, all those business concepts. Um, but while I was home, you know, I was 19, 20, 21, um, we needed money to go on the road. Yeah. So I was working two or three jobs pretty much all the time. And then on the side, when I wasn't literally working a job or at band practice, I started developing a business, cleaning out people's houses and warehouses. And it was literally just word of mouth. It mm -hmm. was, I didn't go out and advertise. I loved the concept of it. I love the idea of it. Um, and I just got my jobs in the most random ways. Um, I was an electrician for a while. So I was in abandoned buildings, cleaning them out and redoing the electrical part of it. Mm -hmm. And literally the owner was standing there right one day. We were putting in a new panel. And I was like, hey, like, what are you going to do with all this stuff in the building? Just, we we're just talking. He's like, I don't know. I got to get it all out. I'm going to pay my guys to do it. I'm like, you want me to do it? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'll, I'll clean it out. Like, I got spare time. Yeah. So over the next, like, month and a half, I cleaned out his warehouse. And literally, I got paid just in scrap metal money. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't pay me at all. Yeah. So I paid myself through the money that I generated from him which was like the biggest deal of the century for him. Yeah. Like I saved him literally tens of thousands of dollars and I love doing it. I got paid really well, um, learning the process behind it um, and just making money doing it. It was, I just love doing it. Like it's not work to me. Why so. do you, what's like, what stems from that love? Like just all the like, cleaning stuff, cleaning stuff uh, out. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Look the, good. I mean the, the, there's certain things that drive people, obviously. Yeah. Me, if I have a whole warehouse of stuff and I can take a photo of it full and then literally a day or a week later take a photo visually of it empty is like the that's, coolest thing to me. That, yeah, like that's sweet your thing. Yeah, that's my thing. Um, my grandparents uh, or my great grandparents owned a scrapyard in Milwaukee back in the 40s. Okay. So literally scrapping and cleaning things out is legit in our blood. Um, so that's just, and I started that at a young age, like 11 or 12 years old. Um, 
there's one story that I was literally on the school bus. I saw a pile of scrap metal when I was 12 years old. I called my dad when I got to school, told him to go pick it up. And then I was like ecstatic for eight hours all day to find out how much money that was worth at the end of the day. So um, it's just one of those things like when you get goosebumps about (laughs) stuff or you really like stuff and everyone has a different thing. Um, it's all about finding that thing. And I've, thankfully I found it very young. Yeah. And although I was a musician, I was still able to grow that craft and that trade while doing it. And then the, the day I stopped being a musician is the day I became a business owner doing this now. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been like in the entrepreneurial realm where like you have, you've had entrepreneurial tendencies really all your life. You said since you're eight years old. Yeah. Um, that, that brings up the question. Do you think entrepreneurship is taught? Or is it just like developed and ingrained in you? It's or a it, mix of both. It's a skill anybody can learn. It's no different than shooting a basketball or singing. Now, no matter how many hours I practice singing, I'm not going to be a good singer. That's just self awareness. People yeah. are born with certain traits, and they're not. So, can anybody be an entrepreneur? They can, but it still takes grit and certain talent to do it. Thankfully, I did grow up in a household. My dad's an entrepreneur. He's owned his own business for 25 years. He's had three different partners, and now he's on his own. So, and he just installs doors and windows for a living. But still, him working till eight or nine at night and not coming home, um, and then me having to work for him when I was, you know, out of elementary school or out of high school on nights and weekends, and then eventually I worked for him full time after high school. So growing up in the household, yeah, it's it's ingrained by nature. Like mm-hmm. you can't escape it. So. Um, I mean, with that, like I said, it can be taught, but if you grow up in an entrepreneurial household, that gives you kind of a leg up and a just a mindset that nobody else really can attest to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I, I kind of just relate that. Like there's, there's obviously like two buckets there. There's like hardcore entrepreneurs running their own business, but then there's the people who have entrepreneurial tendencies. Correct. If the world was built on 100% entrepreneurs, it wouldn't be a society. No. Everyone can't be an entrepreneur, and that's very, um, like, being an entrepreneur is, is very romantic in, it in is. society right now. Now it's it very, is. Yes, right now. It's it's glamorous. Everyone wants to be their quote-unquote own boss and have the freedom to travel and hang out with models, and like that's but, obviously but, not no, That's but there's no it. self-awareness. People want to do it because it's cool now, but yeah. they don't know what it takes yeah. or what it is. It's very lonely. It's not a lot of money. It's all your time spent growing your business. It's actually the complete opposite of what it shows to be. Yeah. People think, you know, girls, travel, money, cars, private jets, shit like that. It's yeah. just not that. I mean, it, yes, it can flourish into a lot of money, no doubt, but... In order for that to happen, it literally takes patience and hard work for years and years, if not decades, yeah. for some people. Um, and that's the part you really have to focus on and love and learn to love, because that's the only way you're going to actually achieve any of that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just you need to know who you are and be very self-aware. I know I couldn't run our company um, my brother and I couldn't run our company independently. Yeah. Like we need each other because we both have strong suits and certain things about us that help grow our company, but we would both struggle if we didn't have each other mm-hmm. running it. So that's the biggest thing. Like we're self-aware <laughs> enough to know that although he's a good leader and I'm a good um, implementer and doer, we still need each other to keep each other grounded and level-headed and actually get the work done at the end of the day that needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very good one and two. Yeah, essentially, that's that's pretty much how it's always been and, and worked. And like, it's just being self-aware. It's not yeah. 
people, everyone thinks they need to be number one and 99% of society isn't number one. Yeah. So just having that self-awareness um, is just key. You need to know what drives you and what gets you up every day. Yeah. Like it just, that's just at the end of the day, what needs to happen. Yeah. And people don't realize the number three, four and five at Facebook are billionaires still, right now. Yeah. And still doing okay for themselves. Still doing better than 99.9% of and, them. And that's what people else. within our company realize too. They come in and they say, hey, we want to be entrepreneurs, some of our employees. And some of them do go on to own businesses. We're like, hey, you can either you can also take the route of growing with us, helping us grow, yeah. learning everything from us, and being a number three, four, or five. And if it grows into something for us, you can be along for the entire ride and can grow into something for you. And yeah. you can still be a number five, you know, ten years down the road with us with whatever endeavors we get into. Yeah, and that's still not a bad position to be in. Yeah, because the truth of it is, is that owning your own business, it's literally just. So many hours alone, people not understanding why you're working so hard, what you're doing. It's just it's just a very lonely, hectic lifestyle. And some people like that and can take it. And other people, once they taste it for three or four or five months, they just give up. Yeah. What? So you, you've mentioned like, yes, entrepreneurship is, is lonely. And like, this is something I struggle with. This is something I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs I, struggle with. Do. It's the name of the game. How do you, how do you kind of like push through those like, quote unquote dark times or like yeah. yo you're in a rut how do you like what do you do personally? i mean i think for every entrepreneur it happens every day or every week yeah i mean you're on a super high at 10 a.m or noon when you lock in something or win a deal and then at 8 or 10 at night when you still need to get that same work done you're like why do i do this every day yep um surrounding yourself with like-minded people like-hearted people that's the, the new phrase we've kind of been focusing on even though that. we're not in the same industry we still have the same heart and same passions. We still want to grow a business and all those types of things. So, you know, keeping up with the people, surrounding yourself with those good people. Obviously, they're still working at 10 p.m. at night. You're working at 10 p.m. at night. So, like, you're not going to be physically hanging out sometimes. But knowing that you have each other's backs. Um, and, I don't know, do, finding what you need, what your fix is every day to stay motivated. Mm -hmm. I have a couple things in place that, like, even on my some of my worst days or most lonely days, I can literally do one of three things or all three things and stay motivated. So literally for me, since we started the junk removal business, I said, no matter what kind of day I have, I literally can go to Chipotle, get a burrito <laughs> and go get a Starbucks coffee every night at six o'clock, eight o'clock, whatever it is. And like, that's just something I can look forward to every day. Mm -hmm. And it's literally just like, it's just a breath of fresh air. I like it. I spend 10 bucks. Like that's my, my drug, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then also just listening to podcasts and influential people people yeah. that keep you motivated for the first six months in business um i would spend about 15 20 minutes a day watching gary v's videos at night yeah um and it just gives you you know that that shot of dopamine that you need for the next few hours just to finish out your work day mm -hmm. um i don't consume as much content anymore of a lot of people but finding those key people to keep you motivated and keep you in the same mindset mm -hmm. so. outside of gary was there really anyone else who there's a handful of people too. I follow, but Gary's definitely the one I always resort back to. Yeah. Um, a lot of people get annoyed with his repetitive or his, the way he delivers his content. But every other person that I followed, I get annoyed with just their content. Yeah. And the way that they um, – like I've followed Grant, Grant Cardone. Yeah. Um, but he's very money-centric focused. He's not values and passion and principle. He, yeah. he is, but not as much as Gary. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, there's been a handful of people, but – it's not it's not even close have to. you gotten into time billiard at all i have mm -hmm. um 
I like his message. I think his style is just too slow for me and too mm-hmm. reserved. He's not out there. He's not in front of your face. Yeah. Um. Literally, just his voice and his cadence. He's a genius. Yeah. Um. I love watching his stuff, but if I'm just like listening to podcasts on my AirPod while I'm working, you want someone. I want somebody that like I can hear over the saw yeah. when I'm cutting stuff, and like <laughs> Gary's the dude that do that. Yeah. Um. Do you listen to Andy Frisella, MF CEO? I do. Um. He's. I really love some of his stuff that he says, and then other stuff from yeah. like you're just like kind of being an asshole. But I get it. Like he's still a very kind-hearted dude at the end of the day. But the way he portrays some stuff, yeah, the, and literally down to the language sometimes that he uses. I don't yeah. care about curse words, but just some off-brand words that I don't know. They, yeah. I don't want to say they don't sit well with me, but I'm like eh, that was kind of childish. Yeah, like uh, he should be. I don't. Know. I don't want to say he should be better, but um, I, I definitely appreciate some of his stuff. Yeah. Um, he has the right heart and the right mindset. And again, everyone has their person mm-hmm. for some people. A lot of people hate Gary and they could love Andy Frisella or Grant Cardone, especially Grant. I know because he's very money focused and that's what a lot of people like. Yeah. Um, for me, that just doesn't. He had one interview actually with Gary that turned me off from him really? so much. Yeah. Got it. Um, going back to going back to like after like post high school. Did you go to college or no? No. OK. So I yeah, I yeah. You, my last day of school time. Yeah, my last day of schooling was high school graduation. Yeah. Um, I toured full-time. Those were really my college years, Yep. if you will, learning um, business on the road. You said 19 through 22, 23? 23, okay. yep. I stopped in May of uh, 2016 when I was okay. 23. And when I stopped, I was like, I am so old right now. Like, <laughs> I waste. I just wasted so many years in the music industry. Like, I should have stopped this years ago. Yeah. Like, why did I wait so long to start my business? And now looking back, I'm like, that was the perfect time yeah. to stop. And like, I don't know, you can't look at stuff like, oh, I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm not this. I'm not like, it. Be, time is time. You're never going to. 23. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to know the alternative. Like, yeah. like I could have stopped at 21 and started a business and that business is going to fail because not everything was lined up yet. Yeah. So, yeah. At first, I'm like, God, like, why did I start so old? And then now it's just like, yeah, I was young, first of all. Yeah. I'm still young. And everything fell into place the way it should be, and it always has. And even if it doesn't fall into place, like the reason I say that is because I'm never gonna know the alternative. Yeah. Of if I didn't do something yesterday or three years ago, yeah. like there's a lot of people that said, "Oh, I should have done this." Like you don't know. Like you could have done that move, and then literally done something a week later to fly somewhere that you didn't actually go to, and like you could have been hit by a bus. Like yeah. you, like that's the way I kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but I didn't go to college. Uh, my brother did just to get a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, we started our business. From did you there. get any pushback from parents, anyone around you saying, um, Yo, no, you need to go to college or no, actually pretty lax. So the six members of our band, we were all, we all grew up together literally since we were five years old Really, for the most part, except okay. one guy, we all went to grade school together. Um, we grew up around each other. We were in so many sports and different things. And then out of the six parents, my set of parents were really the only ones that didn't force me to go to college. So the other five guys, they all went to college. Okay. My parents said, Hey, like we know you're going to do something and do it to your best of your ability. We don't really see where this is going or, or trust in it, but like we trust you. <laughs> yeah. So, cause our music and our dream didn't make sense to a lot of people. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. It's a style of music that's not well perceived by society and that's fine. I don't need people to get it. Um, but they had faith in the guys I was with and the process and who I was. 
So I moved out um, and I was on my own money. That way they for real couldn't, you know, yeah. hold me back on anything. Um, yeah. And then uh, my parents have been supportive, but in a way of just letting me do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So they gave us a business loan to start our business, but it was truly an, an investment. Mm-hmm. We paid them back uh, almost one year to the date with nice. um, interest on it. So, and actually the best thing about that is the interest that they earned on their money went to their last house payment on their house ever. Nice. So that was like one of the coolest feelings ever. Like, yeah. hey, here's your money back. Here's a little bit of extra for investing in us and believing in our dream. And literally it paid off their house after 25 or 30 years, whatever it's been. That's amazing. So just that was like just one of the coolest feelings. Yeah. Going back to, to like touring days from 19 to 23, yep. what are some like key like <clears throat> like entrepreneurial takeaways you think? Whether that's like physical, like, yo, I learned how to run a business yeah. or just entrepreneurial tendencies. I think the biggest thing that any musician will deal with this, <clears throat> if you have a 30 show tour, mm-hmm. um, and if you were as young and in, in a genre of music that we were in, you can you can have two good shows, three good shows to start off the show, like the tour. Like our, we would play Milwaukee, then Lacrosse, then Chicago, and those were all hometown cities to us. We would have like two, three hundred people there, sell a couple thousand in merch. It was incredible. Then you can literally drive to Texas and Oklahoma and have a week full of bad shows. Like I'm talking like canceled shows, four people showing up you know, no money at the end of the night, no catering, nothing. Yeah. And like just learning that you have to still wake up the next day, find a way to put gas in the tank, driving the van to the next city, paying for when the van breaks down, like all those, like the hard work and work ethic that it takes. Like people are like, oh, you're touring. You must see so many incredible things. And it's like gas station, road, like <laughs> gas station, va- van, road. van broken down, <laughs> like horrible venue to sit at for 10 hours. Like it's, that's it's literally stuff. what, it, that's what it is. Like, yes, you travel around the country, but you're literally just in venues or gas stations or on the road all the time. Yeah. Um, so just the work ethic and the mindset of like, Hey, we've had a week full of bad shows. We haven't gotten paid. We literally have no money left, but maybe this next show is going to be the one yeah. or maybe the next one. And sometimes that never show that next show never happens. And next, and sometimes the next five shows are incredible. You never know, so that's a huge part of it. Um, brand, yeah, brand is huge because um, there's so much competition in the music industry. Differentiating yourself um, and learning how to communicate that differentiation. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. Um, that those principles I still take along with me every single day. Um, and then just basic social skills. If you're not good talking to people, which I am and I'm I'm not. I'm I can be introverted, I can be extroverted. I don't really hold myself to one thing. Um but I was definitely the most extroverted of our band, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um so learning how to communicate with fans and people and literally just sitting at the merch table and yeah. knowing what people look at, how to talk to them, how to sell to them without actually selling. And those are some skills I learned from my dad. Um literally putting in doors. Like you wouldn't think installing a front door on somebody's house teaches you marketing and sale selling but mm-hmm. like literally that's how i know everything i know yeah and i can maneuver conversations or people's um ideologies to change because of the conversations and literally just without them even knowing it's pretty crazy and my friends my close friends who have known me for a while notice those things like i'll get like there's a 
kind of running joke thing that people know about me is I've gotten a lot of free Chipotle in my life <laughs> because of a couple different factors. Okay. Um, and one of them is the way that I communicate with literally the people making the burrito. Mm-hmm. I can literally like, from the time I start getting my burrito made to the time I finish in that 20 second interaction, I can convey them to get me a free burrito at the end. Free burritos from Chipotle. Explain this process. So it's a big thing in the music industry. About 10 years ago, bands are like, oh, if you're in a band and you just walk into Chipotle and say you don't have a lot of money, you can get free burritos. And like that definitely worked for some bands sometimes. It wasn't like a given. It's not like Chipotle promoted that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're like desperate enough or you said the right words, you can make it happen. Um, and then there was one day I was getting a tattoo and I needed a little filler spot on my leg for another tattoo. So I asked him to put a little Chipotle pepper, the one from the actual logo. Um, so when we were on the road, you know, I'd be in a random state every day, random city, um, stop at Chipotle. And then you say it at the right time. And I've explained this process to people. Like you say it to the right people in line that are making your burrito. And then by the end of it, you get a free burrito for having a Chipotle tattoo. And I've explained it to people. that's like, that, no way that works. And then they've been with me at Chipotle. And they're just like, I can't believe they just said the exact words that you said that they were going to say. All right, go. Let, let's run through a script. So you you walk up to me. So you got to hey, act man, like friendly you... to them. Like you can't yeah. just like like ask for something. <laughs> hey, for give you. me a free burrito. Yeah, yeah. So you have to you have to be friendly to them. So you're just like smiling, like, hey, how's yeah. your day going? You know, interact with them, make them feel good. Yeah. Um, and then literally while they're putting the salsa on, like right after you get your meat on, and they're doing <laughs> the salsa, they switch people. Okay. Yeah. They switch from one person to another. Yep. So. You talk to kind of, as they're putting the salsa on, you tell them everything you want. So then they finish making the burrito and then you look at the cashier and you say, and it also depends who the cashier is. Yeah. If they're young, if they're old, male, female, ethnicity, those things do matter. Like I've like, yeah, I've like, I've known which ones will work and which ones won't. I can literally walk in there and be like, I'm not going to get one or <laughs> I am going to get one. like, this is in the bag. It's done. Um, how busy they are. All those things matter. So then you ask the cashier. It's like, hey, do you guys do free burritos for Chipotle tattoos? And they're not rushed yet to finish your order because the burrito's not even done. Yeah. If you ask them right at the end, they're going to be like, no, here's like, you owe this much money. Yeah. We make it conversational. There's like, there's like, no, we like, I've never heard of that. Mm. And then I'm like, oh yeah, some Chipotles do that. And then there's like, oh, that's interesting. There's like, wait, do you actually have a tattoo? I'm like, yeah, I, like I have a Chipotle tattoo. There's like, where is it? Can I see it? I'm like it's on my ankle. Well, then you also have the salsa gal or guy mm-hmm. also interested. And sometimes you can get the person starting the burritos interested. So now you have three people <laughs> that could all convince or ask the manager or just make the decision on their own. Like yeah. sometimes the person making the burritos, they're just like, yeah, like just like I'll pay for it whatever. Yeah. Like just do that. Um, sometimes they have to go ask the manager, which then it gets weird because then you're like holding up the line. And you're like, <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to come out here and look at a tattoo really quick. And it's like, it's tiny. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, yeah, that's cool. Like I'll definitely hook you up and like that's literally how it goes like they giggle that's there's so like funny they giggle there's like oh that's that's funny like no we don't do that then they look at me like do you actually have one i'm like yeah i have one like i wouldn't lie to you <laughs> and i'm like some chipotles have done it for me before yeah. and, I, and i've kept track of how much like when i was on the road it was about 70 percent of the time it would work how much free chipotle from a monetary standpoint how many burritos I, have you I've gotten done, i've done the math. average eight dollars nine dollars yeah per. it's eight dollars burrito roughly mine's a little under like it was like 680 <laughs> back in the day and now it's like 750 okay. um it's around it's over 100 burritos it's <laughs> by my calculations it's around 800 maybe a thousand now so you're you're probably pushing yeah 
I can't do it anymore though because I go to the same Chipotle every day. <laughs> so if I'm traveling um, around the country for different events or yeah. like to go pick up a new truck or whatever, then I'll do it like okay. a couple times a year now. That's funny. But back in the day, it was, yeah, it was every day. It was part of my craft. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a band, like you legit just don't have money. Yeah. So I was on a ten dollar a day budget. That was pretty high actually for touring. Some guys will literally be on four or five bucks a day. Really. That includes cigarettes. That includes gas station stops. They would literally just find ways to make it work yeah they only i mean they could only afford four or five bucks a day because you're on the road for 30 or 40 days you only went on the road with you know a couple hundred bucks yeah so mine was 10 bucks a day so if i would leave for a 30-day tour i'd bring 300 bucks cash i try to stick to 10 bucks a day Um, some long drives you have to buy the extra cup of coffee or not like it just happens so getting a free burrito and saving eight bucks a day was definitely huge yeah so that's no, that's a super like. How does that show up in your life now? Are you like super analytical and like budget out all your money because of your band days? Or, um, like, how is how is that like? What are like the lessons you've learned from sticking to such a strict, die-hard budget of yo? I, I, I think, can't spend more than yeah, ten just, bucks a day. Just living on nothing. I mean, don't the second you get money in your pocket, don't spend it. Yeah. I guess. Um, I, I don't take care of the financial end of our business. I just mm-hmm. know I need to bring in as much money as I can every day <laughs> yeah. with the guys that we have. Um, but yeah, I'm not a huge budgeter or I, I suck at paying bills. It's literally <laughs> one of my worst traits. I'm not organized. Yeah. And I literally just pay people to pay my bills now, like our staff. Cause I cannot mentally <laughs> handle it. Like even literally just paying a cell phone bill. Yeah. I am just, it, it, I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, I can't stick structured like that. So I just have people do it now. Um, but just, I don't know, saving money and not being the second people get money in their pocket, they just think Spend it. think they're millionaires and yeah, they go <laughs> and blow it. Hence why everyone's in credit card debt and has like, and is held down at the end of the day. Like if I go on vacation, I know it's, you know, a couple of grand I'm spending, I pay for it up front a hundred percent and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like I just go. So, um, and honestly, like I don't aspire to, have a lot of money like i aspire to have a lot of money to help people and to yeah. grow business but not to buy the things to, to buy the stuff and a lot of people say that a lot of entrepreneurs currently say that because again it's a cool thing to say and believe in but like if you knew how humbly me and my brother lived like you would see it like yeah. i don't have intentions to move out of the house that i'm currently in because it suits my needs it's a pretty small house though to some people but like it's everything i need yeah um i drive a company truck i have a company phone i don't need things or stuff yeah I, I need to grow the business to help more people inspire more people uh hire more people and just make a difference in our community that's just that's what money can do and that's what i want it to do i love that and i feel like people have a very bad relationship with money um people people think like yo if you want to make a lot of money you're automatically a bad person when that's not the case no and if people are driven by money that's fine yeah but know that if you start a business, if if you're an entrepreneur and your main focus is money, you're more likely going to lose than somebody who's in the same industry or same business that's driven by passion. Yep. If there's a junk removal company right now that wants to make a lot of money to buy a lot of things for themselves, they're not going to outwork us. Yeah. I can guarantee it. Like We have way more heart, way more passion in the game um, to beat them out. And that's proven to be true. Mm-hmm. So that's just what it comes down to like i don't care if people are driven by money like there's friends of mine that that i brought up the same concept to and there's like that's cool if you want to believe in that and like help people but like i want 
things and stuff and i want a, a second house and a third house and yeah. i'm like that's that's fine you do you yeah you i do you i'm not here to judge anyone else the only i guess concern i have is when people complain about not having money or time or any of those things and then their ma- their actions don't map yep. to wanting those same things like yep. You'd say you don't have time to... And then hate on the people that actually Correct. make time and Correct. actually put in the work and yeah. then have money. Like, we <laughs> we are just so blessed to have everything we have and yeah. people still complain. Yeah. And that's something I've really focused hard on the past two years. I'm really... I really keep tabs on myself. And I don't want to say I don't complain or... Uh, I just don't ever catch myself complaining about anything. Even yeah. when everything's going wrong. Yeah. Like we're still in business. Someone always has it worse than you. Yeah, literally. It's just that's that's the perception. Um, there's perspective that I don't want to say people need to have, but it's just I just can't stand people complaining about yeah. anything. Like entrepreneurship aside, yeah. like just people in general. Yeah, just be grateful. Yeah, because it's just yes, there are problems in our world. Um, I'm a very eco-friendly person, so like the whole climate crisis and all these things going on in the world, it's horrible. Um, we're trying to find ways to change it and stop it, but uh, in political stuff, there's there's always something. But if you think about fifty years or hundred years ago, like things were always a lot worse. Yep. We're always getting better. Yep. They're not perfect. They're never going to be perfect, but they're getting better every day. We just need to do our part to make the world a better place. But um, just perspective on how good we actually have it and how lucky we are to even be living in the things that we have. And I don't use luck lightly. I hate the word. Um, but in that context, it it actually makes sense. Yeah. Going back, you, you mentioned a point about like-minded people, but more importantly, like-hearted people. Yep. I love that. Just dig deeper into that for me. So, it, again, I don't need to surround myself with people in the junk removal industry or the people that are eco-friendly. I can surround myself with people that are crazy about their passion, whatever their passion is. I don't care if you like doing puzzles or selling Smurfs online or I don't care what you do. Um, but like-hearted people, people that share the same values. Um, we're big on um, honesty, integrity, um, and this living up to your true potential, I guess. Um, so people that have the same, you know, heart as you. Because mm-hmm. um, I think people that are like-minded um, – if, if they're, you know, if you have somebody that's growing a business and we're also growing a business, you'd be like, oh, you two should, you know, meet yeah. up and hang out and be friends. But if they're growing a business for different reasons than I am, then we don't really have yeah. reasons to be close. Um, and that's where the differentiator lies. I love that. So I love that so much. When you say, when people say like you are the five people closest to you, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely true. I've, I've experienced it, especially while being in business. Um, a lot of friends that I had in the music industry um, I'm not as close with anymore and that's kind of by design because that was a different part of my life yeah. um, although it was a lot of hard work it still was you know the typical rock star different. life yeah. drinking smoking kind of lazy lifestyle if you will uh, it's it's a lot of work but it's also laziness yeah. um, and and those people I can't be surrounded by 24 uh, 7 because it's, we're just not in the same mindset and I'm trying to get the most out of my life and provide the most value to the people around me and I need to do that, keeping in touch with people that are like-hearted, that keep me motivated, and literally know that there's always bigger and better things to achieve. Because I'll call people and be like, yo, I just like 
we're doing this now and I just achieved this or whatever. And there's like, cool. What are you gonna do about tomorrow? Yeah. I'm like, man, you're really pushing me. <laughs> I'm like, I need that. I love that. Yeah. Um, cause I just, I don't get high off of small talk or kind of doing the same thing day after day. And, and yeah. some of my friends, they, they do like that. They like structure working 40 hours a week, having a house to come home to like their leisure time. And that's fine. Like I'm happy for them. Mm. That's good. That's just not who I want to surround myself with right now because I literally want to, I want to push myself so hard. And, and at our age, that's a very common thing. A lot of people our age are still in college or just getting out of college. And it's just been party kind of like they've gotten work done, but it's been at a a certain pace, which we're not used to or accustomed to. And like, I just can't operate like that. I need to be doing something 24 seven. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Like I can't just sit still. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh man, like a night out would be good. And then I go for a night out at the bar with my buddies, and I'm like, I wish I was at work right now. Yep. Like, and when you're at work, <laughs> you're like, I should probably just take it easy, but I'm also enjoying myself and having fun. So I I've experienced enough of that to know when I need to be where and when I need to take a break. Mm-hmm. Like on Sundays, I definitely I force myself to sleep in now. I, I want to wake up at seven or eight and have a super productive day, but I know that's the one day a week I can catch up on my rest. Um, and literally just like say that I sleep in once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still get work done, but I get a different style of work done with a different business. Um, because it's just using a different part of my brain and it's like literally just a chill day for me, but I still get a ton done. Yeah. So no, I love that. And like, that's been like one of my biggest struggles this year, especially if you are in a business that you love to do and you're passionate about it, it's very easy to get caught up in work and work 14, 15, 16 hour days on one breath. That is absolutely amazing that you can put those hours in and still be fulfilled and still be happy. But then on the same exact breath, like that's too much of anything isn't sustainable. Too much of anything like is detrimental to your health, Correct. both mentally and physically. Yeah. You need to keep practicality to it. Like yesterday was Friday. I was at work from 7 a.m. until 10.30 last night. That's typical on a weekday and also on a weekend. I've been at work till 1 in the morning on a weekend, Yeah, physically at our building working. Um, but, yeah, you do have to keep tabs on yourself and make sure that you're good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it is tough to find the right people to surround yourself with. That was definitely something I struggled with. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I, f- I threw the craziest – one of the craziest stories I met – dude i'm very close with now he lives in minneapolis so we don't physically see each other too often but um he's changed my life forever you want, um, just you want to go into the story or no um it's not i mean it's not super long i was at warp tour um what year t- 2016 so the, the year i started my business okay um i went to like 2014 actually something. 17 sorry okay. yeah year and a half into business and the first year and a half i'm like i don't have any friends anymore because they i just don't have any friends that are like hearted <laughs> if you will. Um, I was at work tour. It was like the one day a year I told my brother, yo, I'm not coming to work this day. Like, although I'm out of the music industry, I still want to go to warp tour, yeah. see my friends, see bands. I want to see, uh, it's just a good, it's like a fulfilling day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's well worth investing in a whole day off to like get all my music stuff done for a year to see the people I needed to see oh, all yeah. that. Um, cause I don't really go to concerts anymore. So I had like three hours to, ch- to kill. There was really nobody to hang out with at the time. I was walking around checking out merch. This dude is selling longboards. And I'm like, that's unique. Like, I've never mm-hmm. seen longboards sold at Warp Tour. Chatted with him. I'm like, yeah, I don't need a longboard right now. He's like, that's fine, dude. And I was like, 
you're chill with it? He's like, aren't like why would like if you don't need a longboard, don't buy a longboard. I'm just happy you came up and interacted with us. And yeah. I'm like, man, I'm like, this guy's got it going on. And I was like and he was like in his early thirties. Um, I'm like, he's an entrepreneur in his early thirties, super just kind, um, just a smart dude. And I was like, I need to be friends with this guy. So I walked away and I was like, Am I just gonna walk around for two hours doing nothing? I'm like, I'm gonna go see if this dude wants to be friends. So I came up, I'm like, yo, do you mind if I just chill at your booth here? Like, I want to hear about your business, like growing your longboard company. Yeah. And I sat in his booth, uh, and he was with two friends who are also good friends of mine now. Um, I sat there for about two and a half hours. Really? And we just chatted and chopped it up. And I'm like, I was like, dude. And at the end of it, I bought a longboard. I was like, I, <laughs> I, I literally need to buy a longboard. Like, money aside, I, I, I did not need one at all. But I was like, you you brought so much value to me. Like, I feel like I need to buy one. So he's like, are you sure, dude? Like, I don't want to sell you one if you don't need one. I'm like, no, I want to buy this. So I bought it. He hooked me up with so much merch of yeah. his brand. Um, asked for my address like a day later. Sent me more merchandise really? and a thank you card. Like, I spent this much and he gave me like three times my, yeah. my uh, expense with stuff. And, mm-hmm. and he was just super grateful. Sent me business cards. And then um, a few months later, I was going up to Minneapolis for a job for work. Mm-hmm. I hit him up. I'm like, hey, like, I know you run a longboard company, but I just need like a laborer at night to work overnight. I'll pay you like 15, 20 bucks an hour. And he's like, yeah, I could use the extra cash. So then he worked for me, mm-hmm. um, which is odd. Like, I'm like, hey, dude, like, welcome to the job site. I'm your supervisor. Now <laughs> go move stuff. Like, yeah. I did, like it, it's a weird relationship at that point. And then um, fast forward about eight months after initially meeting him. I was in Minneapolis for work for a month mm-hmm. and he was having a launch party for his new spring launch for, um, Ivy. That's a brand. And that night probably definitely top five, most important nights of my life. Really? Easily. If not one of the most important, um, he had a launch party. I knew him and the two people I met at the tent mm-hmm. that, that, that day at Warp Tour. And I walked into the room, there's 200 people in there. Yeah. Um, and these, the two people, that I was hanging out with in the booth, they looked at me. There's like, no way are you here from Milwaukee. Like, this is crazy how this all happened. Yeah. Um, that night I met 30 people that I probably talked to every other day. Really? No. I mean, really? it's just my new group of friends. Um, they're from Minneapolis and all around the world. There's a band there that I met that I'm like beyond close with. I hope to go on the road with them um, when they start touring. Um, they're killing it right now. And this is like 2017. This was 20 or a little later. Yeah, 2018. Okay. So. Yeah, this is uh, spring of 2018. So I spent the next month. This is like the first weekend I was there for a month. Okay. So that Friday night, I met so many of these people, and then the next month, I got coffee with all of them. I hung out with all of them. I yeah. went to more. Sh- I went to four shows for that one band that I saw that night. Really. Um, and being from the music industry, I saw this band. I'm like, this is insane. Like a local band cannot be this good. And I asked them, I'm like, how long have you been doing this? Like, yeah. what's your background? And they told me, I'm like, all right, you guys are going to be huge. Like, you don't know it yet. They're just like, yeah, like, we know we're good. I'm like, no, you're, like, good. Like, yeah. you have it. And they just sold out. They're, they've been around for two years. They haven't toured at all. They just sold out First Avenue in Minneapolis. Really? 1,500 people. So, killer dudes to know. And, again, all those people. Like, had I not met Steve at Warp Tour, mm-hmm. who, who is a very good friend of mine now, and, like, we – like I, if I have issues, I call him um, with anything, business, relationship, like anything going on in life, I call him. That's awesome. Um, but the people that he surrounds himself with um, and the people that follow his brand, um, again, just some of the best people in the world. Um, I'm going on a trip with him in two weeks to go to Thailand. Um, he lived there for two years. 
So he's taking me. Really fun. It's me, him, and fourteen other people. Nice. Um, his sister's going. His nieces and nephews are going. We're building a kitchen in a village in Thailand. Um, we've gone on a sailing trip down in the Caribbean. So it just, I mean, I met one dude and it just changed my life. Yeah. And he knows that. And like, he also appreciates what value I brought him. It's just, yeah. It's just a crazy, uh, crazy string of events that happened. And I hope to move to Minneapolis eventually. Um, to do something with him, mm. um, or the people that he knows, or yeah, just something. And those your other say thirty friends, give or take. Like you would, you would say those are the lighthearted people. Oh yeah, like you. Yeah, you they're actually they're all creative type. Mm-hmm. They're all in photography, fashion. Um, uh, he owns a digital marketing agency where he tells brands stories, kind of like misfits, like yeah. kind of the same company. So, I mean, nothing in relation to what I do. Yeah. Like, I'm very entrepreneurial, black and white, math-minded, mm-hmm. and they're very creative type. So, we don't share any of those same values. But as far as, like, growing and pushing each other, um, it's just, I mean, every day I can message them and be like, hey, I hope you have a great day today. And they're just like, oh, my God, like, go kill it. Like, yeah. you're going to, like, crush today. And I'm like, yep. that just doesn't, like, when you meet those people, you got to you gotta <clears throat> surround yourself with them and hold on to them. Um, and that's why like every trip that I take vacation wise, or like when I leave the state and just kind of check out for a minute, I probably will go with him in some capacity That's cool. and travel the world because it's such a breath of fresh air and like just a whole new perspective on life for a week or two. Um, yeah, it's not like-minded people at all, like total different backgrounds, total different, um, uh, initiatives in life, but same perspective and same, uh, values and concepts. Well, so. like, it goes down to vibrations. Like everything around us is just vibrations yeah. and waves. And like once you you are on your certain vibration, you attract people around you with that same vibration. But once you want to level level up and getting away from the like in your case, <clears throat> it was the it was the music industry. Yep. Yes, those guys could be awesome people. But if you want to level up, you need to break away from that vibration. And as soon as you break away. That's when things start to get lonely. You're not with the same group, and you like go through these struggles That's... of I don't know what I'm doing. But then, as you continue on that vibration, you attract more people around that. Yep. And then, as you level up again, your network levels up, and they level up around you. And like that, that's just reminded me of exactly your and it, situation. And it there. was a year and a half, almost two years in the business that I yeah. did that I until I met Steve. Yeah. So like, it, it was a year and a half of a lot of loneliness yeah but i knew like i was okay with it i knew i had to go through it um i'm very very patient probably i'm i'm one of the most patient people i know like it's it's weird to say that about myself but definitely not yeah (laughs) and like i i'm totally okay like i can work for months and months and see nothing good happen and i'm still good because i know the end state whereas a lot of other people get frustrated yeah um Gary puts it a very simple way: macro patience, micro speed. Literally, my favorite. All day, every day, you got to be working ten, twelve, fifteen hours a day. Again, if you want this, um, working day in and day out while seeing nothing good, knowing that something in five or seven or ten years is going to make sense. Yep. Um, and literally, there, there's spurts, there's cool moments, no doubt. Um, and you just got to enjoy what you do. Like, I enjoy working 12 hours a day and 15 hours a day. Because, again, I can stand back and look at something that we've created. Yeah. Um, yeah, when they say, like, oh, the good old days and stuff, it's it's funny looking back. Because when we first started our business, somebody said, remember these times, cherish these times, 
don't grow too fast. These are the good old days. And we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and like he, those words have never been truer. Yeah. Like looking back, I wish we had more photos. I wish we documented more um, of what we've done and what we did. And even today, I'm like, I want the next thing, the next thing, grow yeah. this, grow that, hire more people when I should. And I, I, we need to learn how to slow down and still do that, but also enjoy what you have right now. Yeah. So like, I can't be excited about the next thing and be, have that be the thing that pushes me. I need to be excited for day in and day out, enjoying what we do, knowing that people are still showing up to our work every day, putting in the hours and just they're honestly, they're fulfilled working for us, which makes me beyond fulfilled. Like once a month, I'm just like, how do we have 30 employees that just care <laughs> so much? Like it is so cool. Yeah. Right. And I thank and cherish every one of them. And I wish I could always do more for them and tell them how much I appreciate that. Um, and I try to, but I'm not great at it. Um, I need to be doing more. That's something I'm aware of. Um, Cause a lot of it is like, they show up, they clock in, we have a meeting, they go out and work. We finish up our work day. It's just like, it's very uh, tactical. Do this front to back. They don't sequential. Tasks. Correct. Yeah. Uh, earlier this week, we had a full day of training, which we do once a year. We pay every employee to come in. We buy them breakfast. We buy them lunch and we teach them things for five or six hours about our business on the back end. Mm -hmm. So we take away from doing jobs that day. All the customers, we, we just don't do anything. And then we spend um, literally a couple thousand dollars training people. Mm -hmm. um, but that is probably the day that I look forward to the most every year. That's awesome. Because it's just, it, it's very insightful for the guys. They get, they get reiteration of why we do what we do. Um, and then I also get a, a huge sense of appreciation for them just being committed to what we do and helping us grow our mission and knowing that they believe in us just as much as we believe in them. That's, that's really amazing. And as we kind of wrap up here, um, looking back on your whole, your whole life, essentially, what are a few key takeaways you've learned? And it can be both personally, professionally, relationship that you want to leave the audience with. And that could be a trick, a tip, a question, a task for them. What's one, one nugget of Ike information? <laughs> I, I guess a big thing for me, I, I, I touched on patience. That's mm -hmm. huge. Um, excuses. Nobody cares. That's the easiest way to put it. You can make all the excuses in the world, but actions speak louder than words. So whether it's in a relationship or it's in business, if something's not working, you have to step up and, you know, you can make all the excuses in the world why you couldn't be at your girlfriend's um, family dinner or why you couldn't make this business work or any of these things. Any Anything you would want to say you couldn't do because, like, people don't care about excuses. They care about execution and results. And that's the cold, hard truth. Um, but if you just make excuses for things you're not good at and not doing in your life, nobody cares about it. Like people care about results. They care about like when we, when we've grown our business and it's, it gets a lot of, you know, media and the press and whatnot. It's because we didn't make any excuses when things broke down. We, we found a way to fix it. Um, and relationships, that's huge. Um, if something's not working, you can't just complain about it or dwell on it. You have to fix it. You have to put in the effort to fix it. You have to accept that you're not good at something. Be honest with yourself about it and want to learn and want to change because that's the only way it's going to get fixed. Um, that's huge in, in every aspect of life. Um, and finally, hard work is the variable. Um, I'm not super smart or talented at any one thing, um, 
but hard work is definitely why we've gotten somewhere. So it, it's it's underrated. That's what it comes down to. I love that. Well, you guys heard it here first. Ike, I really appreciate you coming on the Starting Blank podcast. Maybe we'll need to need another episode with you and Andy. I'm we're totally down. And thank you for having me. This is incredible. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I just want to go people to go out and do and to find what they're passionate about and to hopefully pursue it because we're going to spend a third of our lives working or, you know, finding ways to make money. Um, if people can find a way to monetize their passion, it's they're just going to live such a fulfilled life. It's not easy, but I'd rather take the risk and take the chance of growing something that I'm passionate about and seeing if it can work versus just accepting the, the social norms of what we're supposed to fall into. And those are the people you have to surround yourself with. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Where can the people find you? Uh, Instagram is the platform I like using the most um, at Get Like Ike. Um, uh, I'm just getting now more into LinkedIn. I know. I, <laughs> I, I'm... <laughs> I'm jumping on literally the last car of the train right now. Uh, I've heard people talk about it for three years. I've been on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just about to put some content out on there to get to more people. Um, and then Facebook and whatnot. But honestly, like, I literally throw up on Instagram all the time. Like, yo, call me or text me. Yeah. Like, let's chat. I'm yeah. on some long drives sometimes, and I'll help people out with business or relationships or life. Um, literally, if you DM me and on Instagram, you're like, hey, I don't know who you are, but um, I heard you can possibly help me understand some things. Like, I've literally called people on that without even never meeting them, not knowing who they are. I've just called them, and I don't want to say I helped them out, but gave my perspective, gave my two cents. I'm not saying I'm right, but I can just help people think alternatively and from a you know black and white third party perspective. Mm-hmm. So, and that's awesome. Yeah, Instagram. Well- Instagram. <laughs> Get like Ike. Well, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast, and we'll definitely do round two in the future. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, man. man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boom.